Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the unchangeableness of God as we pick up in Numbers chapter 23, verse 16. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. My attitude towards it has changed. My perspective has changed. But God remains the same. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. So those scriptures said, and it repented God that he created man. And all. It is only looking at God from a human standpoint and trying to define the actions of God with human language, which is impossible to do. Because God dwells in a dimension that is so totally outside of our time zone and and our space dimension that we cannot, and we don't even have words to describe the activities of God. Thus, we have to use words that we have, but they are very limited and do not truly describe the full actions of God. If he is God, he cannot change. Hath I I not spoken, and shall I not make it good? Behold, I have received a commandment to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. For he has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Oh, help us. What do you mean? He just sent the fiery serpents among them two weeks ago or two months ago, whatever the case was, because of their complaining. Hey, isn't that a neat God? He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. It isn't because there wasn't iniquity in Jacob, but it's because God chose not to see it. That is what David was talking about when he said, Oh, how happy is the man to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Now we hear told of Santa Claus that he's making out a list and checking it twice and going to find out who's naughty and nice. And a lot of people picture God that way, making out his list. But God has no list for me of evil. Oh, how happy is the man to whom the Lord doesn't impute iniquity. That account was destroyed. God said that he did not see any iniquity in Jacob. That to me is glorious. That's grace. That is God's grace. Because it was there. But God chose not to see it, even as he has chosen not to see the iniquity of those who are believing and trusting in his son, Jesus Christ. But we'll leave that to Romans chapter 2 to deal with as we move along and get there later. But I think that's a fabulous scripture. Neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and Israel, what God hath wrought. Oh, when you see what God is, people are going to say, what God hath wrought. As God brings the people in the land, establishes the nation, they're going to say, oh, look what God has wrought. I love that. I love that. I love that whole concept. Look what God has wrought. That's the neat thing about Calvary Chapel. 
is that men can't put a finger on, on, on the success of this place. God's chosen to use a nobody and a bunch of nobodies to do a beautiful work. And people come around, the, the, the scholars and the geniuses all come around and try to analyze it and figure out what's happening and why it's happening and classify it and codify it and everything else. And, and, and they walk away scratching their heads. They can't figure it out. The preachers go away and say, man, I can preach a better sermon than that. I'm much better looking than he is. Why don't I have success? Isn't that neat? They just can't figure it out. You can only say what God hath wrought. Choosing again the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Just to put them in total consternation and, and confusing them. Doing a work that only he can receive praise and credit and glory for. And I absolutely love it. What God hath wrought. Interesting verse there. The prophet said there's no divination, no enchantment that can be used against him. And, and I want you to know this, that as a child of God, there is, there is no charm, enchantment, divination, and all hex or anything else that people can put on you that will have any effect. Now, there are a lot of times people get worried because there are people with psychic powers, great psychic powers. They can bend nails and kind of stuff like this with their psychic powers, and they can put curses and hexes on people. And sometimes they think, oh my, you know, I've been praying and, and maybe they're going to put a hex on me. No, there's, there's the, the Scripture declares... No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every mouth that is raised up against thee thou shalt condemn, for this is the heritage of the children of the Lord. What is the heritage? No weapon formed against you can prosper. There's no divination, no enchantment, no hex that can be put on you that will have any effect at all because you're God's child. And because God has chosen to bless you as his child, it can't be reversed. There's no curse or hex that anyone can put on you. And the prophet recognized that there's, there's nothing I can do. There's no divination against Israel. Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift himself up as a young lion and shall not lie down till he eats of the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. And Balak said to Balaam, Look, if you can't curse them, then don't bless them. In other words, you can't say something bad, don't say anything. <laughs> and so Balaam answered Balak and said, Didn't I tell you? that all that the Lord speaks to me, I must do. And so Balak said to Balaam, now come on, I'll bring you to another place. Maybe God at that point will curse them. So Balak brought him to the top of another mountain, Peor, that looks towards Jezimon. And Balaam said to Balak, 
Build me seven alders, and they did, went through the same routine. So when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he didn't even go up as the other times before the Lord to seek the face or to seek for enchantments, but he just set his face towards the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in their tents according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. He saw the camp, the people abiding there, the tabernacle in the middle, and the people around about it. And it, Balaam the son of Beor hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, he has said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling into a trance, but my eyes being open, how goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. As the valleys are they spread forth, as gardens by the riverside, as the trees of Linalos, which the Lord hath planted, and as the cedar trees beside the waters, he shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. Of course, the king and kingdom looking ahead in prophecy to Jesus Christ. God brought him forth out of Egypt, and he hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn, and he shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with the arrows. He couched, and he lay down as a lion, and as a great lion, and who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesses thee, and cursed is he that curses thee. And the king's anger was kindled, and he clapped his hands together, and he said unto Balaam, Look, I called you to curse my enemies, and you've altogether blessed them these three times. Now you better flee to your own place, for I thought to promote thee to great honor, but lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. I was going to make you a great man, but the Lord has kept you from that. You know, there is an honor that it is well that you be kept from. The rewards of unrighteousness. I, saw, I was going to promote you to great honor, but the Lord, ah, oh, that's the honor you don't want, I'll tell you. The honor that the Lord holds back. And Balaam said to Balak, I told you, your messengers, that if you would give me your whole house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord, either to do good or bad of my own mind, but what the Lord has said, I will speak. And now I'm going to my people. And I will advertise thee what the people shall do and the people in their latter days. So I'm going to tell you one more thing. And so he prophesied once more concerning Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful prophecy concerning the Lord. Verse 16, he has said, which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High. He saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, or a kingdom, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. And Edom shall be a possession, Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly, and out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. And when he looked on Amalek, he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his latter end shall be that he shall perish forever. Amalek is always in the scripture a type of the flesh. 
When we get to the book of Esther, we'll deal with Amalek, the type of the flesh. But this is God's word against the flesh. It's going to perish forever. The flesh life, going to perish forever. God's instructions to Saul concerning Amalek was what? Wipe it out utterly. That is God's continual commandment concerning Amalek, concerning your flesh. Wipe it out utterly. If you don't destroy it, it can destroy you. Paul said if we by the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh, we shall live. The flesh life, we're not to give place to the flesh or to the flesh life. But walk after the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the desires of your flesh. So the, the parable against Amalek is a very important parable. As God declares the end of the flesh life, it shall utterly perish forever. And then he looked on the Kenites and took out the parable and said, Strong is your dwelling place, and you have put thy nest in a rock. Nevertheless, the Kenites shall be wasted until Asher shall carry thee away captive. And he took the parable and said, Alas, who shall live when God is doing this? And the ship shall come from the coast of uh, Shittim and shall afflict Asher and shall afflict Eber and shall perish forever. And Balaam rose up and went and returned to his place, and Balak also went his way. Now you think, oh, goody-goody for you, Balaam, good man. No, unfortunately. Balaam said, I shall see, but not now. I shall behold, but I do not believe that Balaam will share in the kingdom of God, though he was a prophet of God indeed. But he allowed greed to master his heart. The king had offered all of these rewards. Balaam sought God that he might go, and when God wouldn't curse them, and the king said, all right, that's too bad. You go home. I called you to curse them, and you bless them, you know, and I was going to give you great honor. I can't. Now, Balaam, greedy for the rewards that had been offered by the king, began to give to the king evil counsel. And in the 31st chapter of Numbers, we are told in verse 16, Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. We'll get to that in the next chapter here the thing that happened there at Peor. But what happened, happened as the result of the advice that Balaam had given to King Balak because he was greedy for the rewards that the king was offering. So in the book of Jude, in the New Testament, the book of Jude we are commanded, and the central message of the book of Jude is keep yourself in the love of God. And we are given examples of three persons who failed to keep themselves in the love of God. Korah, Cain, and Balaam. And of Balaam it said, because of his greed 
his desire for the riches that the king was offering, that they have gone the way of Balaam, and it's referred to as the way of Balaam, who for reward for the greed that was there, the desire for the riches, prostituted himself to the king. He was bought off. In Revelation chapter 2, as the Lord deals with the church of Pergamos, uh, God said to Pergamos that they had there those who held to the doctrine of Balaam. Uh, verse 14, I have a, uh, chapter 2, I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So the doctrine of Balaam, idolatry and spiritual fornication that Balaam set the king Balak up to do. Now, it doesn't tell us right in immediately in our text that this is what happened, but by looking at other scriptures, now we understand the next chapter and what is brought out in this next chapter. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 15, Peter also makes mention of Balaam, and he's talking about the false prophets. There will be many of them, False teachers who privately will bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord. And many will follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth is evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall with feigned words or deceitful words make merchandise of you. Every religious system or every so-called prophet of God who seeks to make merchandise of you through deceitful words is a false prophet, and you can tell them easily. They are using these deceitful words to get you to support them. And I believe that every computerized letter sent out by these men is guilty of feigned words. Dear Charles, I have a friend that was here this week, an editor of Christianity Today, and he said they get the same computerized letters that says, Dear Mr. Today, <laughs> I've been thinking about you this past week. Is everything all right today? <laughs> Now, please go out and borrow $25 and send it to me because I'm desperate. Those are feigned words, and the purpose is to make merchandise of you. The Bible classifies them as false prophets. What is feigned words? It's saying something you don't really mean. Oh, all of you beautiful children, I love you. <laughs> you don't even know me. How can you love me? Feigned words, fair speeches, seeking to make merchandise out of people. Now, among these false prophets, Peter warns us that actually they are much like Balaam, which, verse 15, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosar, 
who loved the wages of unrighteousness. The guy loved the wealth. A false prophet taking the monies and using it for his own enrichment, prostituting his ministry. And so he advised the king this way. He said, look, Balak, I can't go into a little spiritual trip and, and bring a curse. God won't allow me to do that. But these people, their strength lies in the fact that they worship one God and God honors them and God has taken them as his people. But the God that they worship is a very jealous God. And if they start worshiping other gods, then his wrath will come upon them and he'll destroy them. So here's what you got to do. Take a lot of the beautiful young girls that are here and send them down and let them flirt with the young guys. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Numbers on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Numbers 23 through 24 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless and give you a beautiful week. May His hand be upon your life, that this will be a week in which you're really in tune, in harmony with Him. And that love and and commitment is restored, and and it's just a glorious week of, of thinking of Him, worshiping Him, serving Him, loving Him. May God be pleased with you by your commitment and devotion to Him. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. As we look back over the roadmap of our lives, we often see the value of troubled times, personal trials, and even the experiences of pain or the death of a loved one. These are the building blocks that establish God's plan for us. It is with great honor that I'm pleased to introduce Pastor Chuck Smith's autobiography entitled A Memoir of Grace. 
you're invited to pull up a chair and listen as Pastor Chuck shares his personal story of how God's grace prepared him for life's purposes. Perhaps as you're reading this story, you'll be prompted to evaluate your own past, your present situation, and that which is yet to happen, and realize that it all plays a part in establishing God's plan for you. See God's grace at work in your own life when you order a personal copy of A Memoir of Grace by Pastor Chuck. God called me into the ministry and how God has just led us step by step. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll free at 1-800-272-WORD.